Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In post-industrial Ohio, a Chinese billionaire opens up a new factory in the husk of an abandoned General Motors plant hiring 2,000 blue-collar Americans while still recovering from the effects of the 2008 recession. Working side-by-side with experienced Chinese workers, the locals are optimistic about the future for the first time in almost a decade. But the early days of hope soon give way to setbacks as high-tech China collides with working-class America, and issues of language and culture become seemingly insurmountable walls, creating clashing factions and that is this backstory behind this terrific wonderful new documentary called american factory and we're joined today by the co-directors of the film uh stephen bognar and julia reichert to both of you welcome to film school radio yeah thanks mike thank you so much uh this is a wonderful film that has a tremendous amount of access to all sides of this of this project, uh, this uh, American factory being built in in America's industrial heartland. Uh, tell me a little bit. I'll start with you, uh, Julia. Where what's the genesis of, of this idea for uh, American Factory? In our hometown, which is Dayton, Ohio, which is where the story takes place, there was a very big and important General Motors plant that closed when the economy collapsed back in '08. And we actually made a film about that, following the lives of the blue-collar workers, what the job meant to them, what it was going to look like to lose that job, and so forth. That became a film called The Last Truck, Closing of a General Motors Plant. Uh, fast forward about eight years, and we, just like everybody else in our hometown, we read the news in the newspaper, oh, the, you know, somebody bought the plant. We're going to manufacture again in Dayton. Who bought the plant? Well, it turns out it's a Chinese billionaire entrepreneur. So one thing led to another, and we were actually asked if we would like to follow what was going to happen. And, of course, um, I was very interested in seeing what was going to happen when hundreds of Chinese people, some of them with families, took up residence in our hometown. What would happen for Dayton? What would happen for the Chinese? You know, what would happen? So we said we'd love to do that. We'd love to, you know, put our feet in the water and try. But we had three conditions. One is that we get full access. Another is we take no money whatsoever from the company. And uh, another is that we would have full editorial control of the film. And to our surprise, in a way, the chairman, who you meet in the film, Chairman Zhao, uh, said yes. And he continued to say yes over all the three years of, uh, of filming. So that's, that's how we got access. And I feel like we always say once, once you get that kind of access and you realize as you're getting to know people that everyone had very high stakes. Mm-hmm. The blue-collar workers had high stakes because they really needed good jobs with decent pay so they could get back somewhere close to middle class. The management was, you know, trying to supervised, you know, training 2,000 American workers uh, and make the plant successful. The chairman had the stakes if he wanted the film, the, uh, sorry, the plant to be in profit. 
So everybody, and I could mention the engineers and designers and other people, so everyone had high stakes. So once you get that kind of access, you have to, I believe, honor that access by really listening to everyone and trying to represent everyone's point of view in a fair way. I, and Stephen, I want to ask you about that access because, and also in general about the film. As as Julia just laid out, uh, this sets it up for a, a real broad array, a wide range of issues that you're going to have an opportunity to sort of showcase in the film. Uh, but oh wait, I just lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. Um, uh, but in terms of the actual on the ground, getting to know these different sections of this story, uh, what was the biggest challenge you faced in, in, in make, essentially making this something more than just a, a, a 20,000 foot look at this, a really on the ground personal uh, look at what these different uh, factions and different uh, sort of parts of the film were? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, the scale of it was daunting yeah mike it was you know it's a colossally big factory and we would literally walk miles a day getting and we would go to this corner or this assembly line or that part of the factory and we just you know at first it was like trying to find the people who we were going to ask if we could follow them you know we, like the casting process in other words mm-hmm. that took that took a long time and we we really just kind of fell in love with so many people there chinese american uh, white collar, blue collar, and it was tough to sort of decide who who should we really dive deep with. It's funny too when we first started walking those many, many, you know, like throughout this factory, we would occasionally get offers of a ride on a golf cart, and here we are carrying a heavy tripod and a camera bag and a camera, and we're sweating. It's like ninety degrees in there, hundred degrees in certain places. And we're like, yeah, I'll take a ride. <laughs> but then we're whizzing past all these folks working on the assembly line, and we could see people looking at us like, is that camera crew? Are they management? <laughs> and, and then we realized, oh, if we're riding on the golf carts, that sort of signifies that maybe we're part of the company. Right. Maybe we work for the company. And so we realized we have to walk. We can't be taking rides. We have to, like constantly explain that we're independent, we're not part of HR or management or communications at the company or anything like that. And that took a lot of effort to try to build the trust, not just with individuals on a one-to-one level, but because we were hanging out with these different kind of groups, you know, the leadership and also the folks on the factory floor and the Chinese and the Americans. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I I completely understand that uh, th- that idea because this is an immense place. Uh, it's I think forty one football fields worth of, of floor space. Is that the the statistic I believe I read in the notes? Yeah, it sounds that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. I mean it, it it is huge. Yeah, it takes ten minutes to walk from one side to the other. So you right. get your lap. I really feel like the biggest challenge, from my point of view, would be understanding Chinese culture would be understanding how the Chinese thought, how they work, how they believe they should be educated and trained, what work life meant for them, what home life meant for them, just understanding Chinese culture. And that was really helped when we, well, certainly when we got to know more Chinese people because we brought on Chinese co-producers and field producers 
who were, you know, born and raised in China, but also when we actually went to China and saw what life was like, what city life was like, what work life was like, it's so, so different. I mean, when we came home, it was almost, from our two weeks in China, it was like we couldn't even begin to describe what it was like because it was so different from the United States. I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with the co-directors of this terrific new documentary film coming out. It's a Netflix production. It comes out on Netflix, I believe, August 21st. That's right. And we'll be in theaters as well here in Los Angeles. i got to make a pitch for seeing it on a big screen, even though it's yeah. going to be on Netflix. Okay, you probably have a really nice TV. We really tried to make this a cinematic film. I know the name is American Factory, which makes you think it's going to be all grim and bad lighting and so forth. <laughs> But there's a fabulous score. It's yeah. really beautiful. You know, I, you've seen it, so you know it's 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 a very exciting film to see on a big screen. It is well, a visual. Visually, you know, the the factory was bathed in light because everyone's inspecting glass, and so you have all these planes of reflect, reflection and refraction, and people were lit as if by movie lights. So it was just a pleasure to be filming in there. Right. And I, I want to get to that that part of the, the what the film is actually about in terms of the what the factory is producing in just a second. But I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Julia Reichart as well as Stephen Bognar, the co-directors of American Factory. And yes, this is a, this is a plant that is in Dayton, Ohio, that was at one point producing General Motors trucks. And now it has been repurposed to now produce glass for, mostly for vehicles. Is it? Is there anything else they're producing no. glass for? Is it? It's for all the, any, pretty much any car company you can imagine. If you start looking at your windshield and your side windows, look to see if you see the word Fuyao, because they are the biggest glass supplier in the U.S. now. Uh, and they supply, you know, everything from Honda, BMW, all the big three, Toyota, you know, et cetera. Yeah. The company started in the mid-'80s. The chairman who started the company was making little glass covers for water meters because as, as China started you know, spreading water across the country, he realized there was a market for little glass covers, and then that morphed into automotive glass in China and then worldwide. Hmm. It's, a, it's a heck of a story how he started from nothing to become this multi-billionaire. Chow Tok Wong is, is this billionaire who's, who's put uh, a, a tremendous amount of money. And also, it, it, it's, it's more than, in some ways, it's more than just a factory that is there to produce glass. It is about uh, a, a tentative way in which for Chinese industry to make its footprint in the United States. And Dayton, Ohio is important in many ways because it was at one point the epicenter of American manufacturing that region was and now it with the recession as we mentioned at the, at the top of the interview has just been decimated on so many levels and there is a workforce there that's that is amenable and ready to work in, in a factory setting so a lot of factors went into this and one of the things that I found so enthralling about the film and truly enthralling is that your ability to not only just the access but also to paint everyone in this film in a in a in a very respectful way and everyone has a point of view and all of them are are have a valid perspective on what it is but it is about culture it's about profit it is about a lot of other things 
And that's where this dramatic tension comes into play. Is that fair? That's generous. And, you know, we, we, Mike, I want to say we are from Dayton, Ohio. We live there. We're very proud to be from Dayton, Ohio. And especially right now in the aftermath of this terrible attack, this mass shooting that occurred a week ago, it's, um, we're very proud to be from that town. It's a town that's really resilient. It's seen a lot of ups and downs over the years, but it's a scrappy little Midwestern town. And we've always had empathy for our community, but as documentary filmmakers, our, our job, our challenge was to really kind of sit in the lives, the shoes of those Chinese folks who were really different than us. And, you know, I think what you're alluding to is in the film, you see globalization, what globalization looks like on a human scale, both for the Chinese folks and for the American folks. It's, I mean, globalization is here. Uh, you know, in fact, this, this factory is big, but it's not unique. All over the heartland of America and in the South, there are just dozens and dozens of Chinese-owned factories that mostly have come to the U.S. in the past 10 years, like very recently, and they've bought up, to some degree, shuttered, abandoned American factories, abandoned by our, our you could say our capitalists, you know, went to Vietnam, went to China, went to Mexico, and left the factories behind, like that one. And if you look at Look up, like, textile in South Carolina, big hub of textile manufacturing, lots and lots of jobs, all left maybe 20-some years ago. Well, there are 24 factories in South Carolina that, that are owned by Chinese people and run and managed by Chinese folks. It, it, this is just such a immense story, the idea of how... The, the, behind this film is the, the exodus of American manufacturing to other parts of the world and it returning in some manner of speaking back to American shores. And how does that play out? How is the new reality of a, of a world that is no longer dominated by American industry? It's coming back in a way, but it's coming back through the capital of other countries and with other perspectives and other priorities. How are we going to adapt? And that's what this film is about. How are we adapting? And that's a great, really, that's really put well. Um, I think what we, exactly, this is the world we're in. And we don't, we don't say what we should do about it, about the, the changes and some of the difficulties. But the tectonic plates of economy and culture globally are definitely shifting. That's right. And I think our film is, is you know, again, a microcosm, uh, but it offers, you know, kind of new, in-depth, more intimate perspective on what that looks like and, and food for thought about what we can do about it. And even though we're Midwesterners, we really try to craft the movie so it is not looking at all these global forces through a lens of Midwestern American anxiety. You know, it's easy to say, oh, this is going to be bad, and jobs are leaving, and it's like there are real challenges, but we don't want to be um, fearful about it. We want to look at them clear-eyed. Yeah, 
and this film does. And you should see it in a theater, folks. It is, it is opening here in Los Angeles on the 21st. It will be opening also on Netflix, but see it in a theater. And one of the great things about this is the experience of seeing it on a big screen. It is a beautiful film to look at. And the humanity in this film is something that you will gravitate to as as someone who cares about people and cares about just essentially a, a telling of a good story. And, and the other part of this is that um, you will walk out of that theater and you may engage not only the person you're with, but someone else in the, in the lobby to talk about what is this happening? What is happening and what does this mean? It, it's just the, the best possible way to experience a film. I just, one quick last question. Are you in town sure. for any Q and A's um, next uh, on the, on the 21st? Actually, yes, we, um, I will be in town. Joey will be in New York doing Q and A's and I will be here in Los Angeles doing Q and A's on the 21st and 22nd. Excellent. Yeah, we, we want to give a shout out also to we. The film has an amazing, wonderful score right. by uh, a young guy who lives here in Los Angeles. I don't even know if he's thirty yet. Chad Cannon. So it, he did a beautiful job. It's all real instruments. Um, it's it's an unusual score for a documentary. Excellent. And we know we're really proud. We got to team up with Participant Media, who did such wonderful work last year with Roma. No. and uh, RBG, and we're really grateful that Netflix and Higher Ground Productions, the new company created by President and Mrs. Obama, that they have taken on the film. It's, we just feel we're incredibly fortunate right now. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful film. It's a terrific documentary. And in, in, a, in, a, in a year when there's a lot of wonderful documentaries, this is certainly one of the best out there. So congratulations to both of you for your film, American Factory. And we've been speaking with the co-directors, Julia Reichardt, as well as Stephen Bogner. To both of you, thank you so much. And come back anytime you have anything coming up. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks a lot. Thanks, right. Mike. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.